is the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our weekend service right here at our campus located in downtown Brea, California. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Um, you know, since the beginning of the year, again, if you're a guest with us, um, at the beginning of the year, we gave out these uh, life journals, our, our first We Are Refinery Life Journals, uh, a way to read through the Bible and to write down those things that God speaks to, your prayers, your observations, uh, or maybe even your uh, grocery list. Maybe that's what you just want to write in there. You don't want to forget it, so you write it down and then get back into reading God's Word. What I did over the last few weeks is I've invited a few different people to kind of share what have you been hearing from God? Because you hear from the pastor all the time, but I want to hear from some other folks. What have you been hearing from God? So tonight I've asked uh, our our chaplain in training, Daniel Strahanan, to come up here. So give a big hand to Daniel as he comes and shares what he's heard from God in his life journaling. Hi, Refinery Church. Uh, it's good to be up here. Uh, yeah, Pastor Kelly wanted me to share a little bit of insight the Lord's been sharing with me during the week. And uh, as I'm going through seminary training at Azusa Pacific and learning to be a military chaplain, um, you study a lot of the Word. And uh, it would be good to share a little bit of kind of what God has dropped in my heart. Um, I actually was reading through our readings this week and reading through uh, a little bit of Exodus and Leviticus. And, you know, reading the Old Testament would be kind of challenging because we kind of don't understand what's happening a lot of the stuff that's going on. Uh, But I was reading through Leviticus, and you read all the different burnt offerings and things that are taking place for atonement for for sins. It gets kind of like, what's the purpose of all these offerings? And as I'm studying and I'm reading it through, I'm like, Lord, why is the purpose of all these burnt offerings being offered on the altar for for atonement for sin for the people? And the Lord's like, the Lord dropped a quick connection. He's like, think about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul was so clear that the sacrifice of Jesus was an atonement for our sins so that we can be reconciled to a loving Heavenly Father. And I realized that, that without Jesus' atonement, we wouldn't have that relationship with God. And that's why it's so important um, that Israel would know the atonement and love of God was for them to be reconciled to God and be able to worship Him. And that's our job as the church, right? We're supposed to reconcile others to know the same God that we know, the faithful God we serve. And that was just so awesome that God had showed me that connection. It was really neat. Thank you, bro. Hey, I wanna, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. I love how you see that there was, that was the precursor to Jesus' atonement. The sacrifices that were being made in the Old Testament were a preview to what God himself would do through Jesus Christ. Would you pray over us that as we dig into God's word, that the Holy Spirit would give us revelation of truth? Would you pray over us? Father, I just pray for a refinery church, God, and your people. I thank you, God, for opening up the word to your people, God, and bringing clear insight and those connections, Lord, and that intimacy, Lord, that we can read and study the scriptures, we're going to see the person of Jesus, God. We're going to see, Lord, how we can become the people of God and look like his image, Lord, the image of Christ, Lord. We thank you and pray these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand one more time, would you guys? Thank you, Daniel. You know, one of my top priorities as a pastor is to, is to get you into the Word of God and get the Word of God into you. Because we need to know how to hear from God. And the best way to hear from God is get into His Word because then you learn the tone of His voice. You learn His character. You, you learn what He's passionate about, what angers Him. And as you get into His Word, then you begin to learn to hear His voice. And then, as you learn to hear His voice, then my, my secondary job is to then activate you 
into doing what he says to do. So, I mean, really, my job as a pastor is get God's Word into you, get you into God's Word, and then activate you, see you doing what Jesus said to do. You know, Jesus was the one who said, anybody who hears my sayings and does them is like a person who built their house on a rock. So when the floodwaters came, the storm comes, that house did not fall. So when we come to him, hear what he says and does that, do them, we will have a rock-solid life. And that's why um, I do this Bible reading plan, and I've been doing it for over 20 years. I've been a Christian now. Let's see, I am 15 years old, and um, that means I've been a, a Christian now for 35 years. This is my 35-year birthday uh, where I came to know Jesus 35 years ago. And it, I, I kind of did the popcorn reading the Bible the first few years. You know, I, I'd get a, a devotional, and I'd follow the devotional, or I'd do the hunt and peck thing. I'd throw open the Bible and point at it. Okay, that's what I'm going to read today. You know, I, 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 I tried to figure out, how can I read the Bible? And then I found a Bible reading plan where I could actually read through the Bible systematically, and that's where I began to learn God's Word and understand it contextually, holistically, as well as the individual meaning in, in each verse. And so it's been over 20 years that I have read through the Bible every single year uh, for 20 years. And the interesting thing is, it hasn't gotten boring, and I see new things every single year. Every year. It's kind of like the, re the reason why I go see a, a new Star Wars movie, I have to see it at least three times. You knew I was going to talk about Star Wars, right? I have to talk about it often. I'll go see a new Star Wars movie three times because the first time it's just kind of go, oh, let's just, oh, this is so, in, this is fun, this is enjoyable, blah, blah, blah. Then the second time, okay, now what character was doing what to who? And the third time was, okay, what's happening in the background? What's that little thing that's flying through the air? I want to look for the details. So I see new things every time I go see a Star Wars movie. Is that a little geeky? Is that just a little too much over the top? Then when it comes out on video, I just watch it over and over and over and over and over again. See, I'm that way with God's Word. When I get into God's Word, it's like, okay, I saw, I saw something the first time, but man, I didn't see this the second time. And literally, after being a believer for 35 years, reading through the Bible over 20 years, studying it, going to school for it, I still discover new things every single year that I do it. And um, this is an important discipline to have. It's a very important discipline, not watching Star Wars movies, but, but reading the Bible. <laughs> That's the important discipline. Because what I do every day, and hopefully, you know, you're starting to do this as well, and, and I've talked to a few people that are doing this more often now. They're reading the Bible on a daily basis, tuning out the noise of life and tuning up the voice of God because He's the creator of the universe. He's the one that knit you together. He formed you. He fearfully, wonderfully made you. He knows how you are designed. So when we get to spend time with Him, we can learn more about who we should be and how we should live and how we should love. That's why I get into God's Word on a daily. It's not a religious duty. It's a relational joy to get to do that and spend time with Him. So I hope you're doing that. I want to encourage you to do that. Tonight, I'm actually going to share from one of my journal entries from a couple of weeks ago. I saw some new things that I hadn't seen before that I wanted to share with you. As a matter of fact, um, while I was there, I went, oh man, I, this is good. This, I got to share this with the congregation. This was one that was for me and for them. Um, if you're a guest with us for the first time or you haven't been here in a while, 
Uh, we have been in a series since the beginning of the year, and then we're going to put it up here on the screen. Uh, everybody say the title of the series. One, two, three. But first. That's right. But first is the, new t- is the title of our series, Prioritizing What Matters Most. We were, we've been spending the beginning of the year readjusting and looking at how we spend our time, how we use our talents, and how we allot or manage our treasures, and are they in alignment with how God wants them to be? And we have, a, we have a, <clears throat> a, scripture, a couple of Scripture verses that are our theme verse for the month, and I'm a, we can just read them together. This was Jesus talking to us, um, and take a look what He says. Let's all read it together. Ready, begin. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 33, but first, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's talking about priorities and saying we can go after all these different things, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And when we do, when we're in the right alignment, then we see God's blessing begin to flow. It's pretty clear and pretty simple. When we align our priorities in this way, God's blessing can flow. But if it's out of alignment, we hinder, you got to hear this, we hinder the blessing of the Lord from flowing in our life. See, God's blessings are there. They're they're new and fresh every day. But when we're out of alignment, we don't get to experience them. God's saying, I want you to experience this. Just put me first, and all these things will be taken care of. That's what Jesus is instructing us. So I'm going to, I know we've already prayed a bunch, but I want to just pause right now. If there are areas in your life that you need to realign and say, God, I need to put you first in this area, I I want us to pray right now. I want us to get serious. Okay, God realign, readjust this area of my life because I want to see your blessing flowing in my marriage, in my finances, in my relationships, in my career. Let's pray. God, we invite the Holy Spirit right now to reveal areas in our life that are out of alignment. So Lord, we right now, we bring things into alignment. I put you first in these areas and you can fill in the blank right now where those are at. I put you first, Lord God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, if you do bring your journal with you on Saturday nights, which is, a, is an encouragement, we have these journals available there in the back. If you didn't get one at the beginning of the year, you can grab one of those. But if you did, open it up. We're going we're gonna to just jump straight into it from the word I heard on January 14th. The word I heard, that's a rhyme, I like that. The word I heard, I like that, that's fun. The word I heard, I want to wrap it or something. I felt led by the Holy Spirit that this was a timely word for all of us. And it's from Luke chapter 14, because we started reading Luke chapter 1 on January 1st. And so by the time we got to January 14th, we, if you were reading with us, we were in Luke chapter 14, and this was the chapter that I camped out on. And I began to journal some things, and I, I wrote them down, and now I put them into my notes here to share with you. Let me, um, let me take you through this process of how I heard from the Lord that day on January 14th. First, I got to give you some context of what was taking place there. Jesus had been invited, this is in Luke chapter 14, Jesus had been invited to have a meal, a Sabbath meal with a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee was a religious, a pious, oftentimes pompous religious leader of the time. And Jesus was invited to have a Sabbath meal. This was a, this was a big meal to have a Sabbath meal with this person. 
And if you read through the Bible, you'll notice that meals and suppers and feasts are a major theme throughout the Bible. And Jesus is oftentimes at some sort of meal, whether it's a wedding meal, whether it's his last supper and a whole lot of meals in between, he's there. Jesus spent a lot of time. Jesus uses the setting of this occasion at this Pharisee's home to help illustrate the cultural values of God's kingdom, which tie back to our theme verse, if we'll seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, then all that we have need for will be taken care of. So it's good to dig into Scripture and say, God, what does your kingdom look like? And Jesus gives us clues all throughout the New Testament of what God's kingdom looks like, and this is one of those times. In verses 1 through 6 of Luke chapter 14, Jesus heals a man, which was a big deal. He kind of got some flack for it because it was on the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to do in the Jewish tradition, and he was in a Pharisee's home, you're not supposed to do any work. And he healed this man. So that was, kinda, that was the first thing that the Pharisee and the people were going, hey, he's healing people on the Sabbath. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Well, I found it interesting. We're not going to heal somebody on the day of the Lord? Anyways, verses 7 through 14, Jesus goes and decides he's going to teach on humility because obviously there was some pride in the house. And so Jesus teaches on humility, and he talks about where you sit at a dinner table and not to just assume that you sit in the place of honor because if you assume that, we all know what happens when you assume, right? For those of you who all know what happens when you assume, I won't repeat it here. My daddy used to tell me what happens when you assume. It makes us something of you and me. Um, <clears throat> anyways, if you assume to sit in the seat of honor, then you might be embarrassed when the host of the house says, uh, excuse me, could you move down there? you will automatically be humbled. So Jesus says, take the, take the humble seat. He's teaching on the character of humility to these people. Take the humble seat and allow the host to raise you up. So he does this, te- he heals and he does this teaching on humility. And then in verse 15, and this is what I want to focus on tonight. Then in verse 15, somebody at the table gets like a, a light bulb, bing, comes on and like, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And this is what he says in verse 15. This man says this. Take a look. It says Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed. I love that. He must have shouted, exclaimed, wow, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. I mean, this, this man just became overwhelmed with excitement. Man, because he got some truth in him. And he's like, wow, it's going to be so great to have this. And Jesus begins to say, well, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. Let me give you a little information. Take a look here at verse 16. Jesus replied with this story. This is the parable of the invitation. A man, if you're going to want to know about the kingdom of God, take a look at this. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready, the feast. Verse 18, but they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. That was his RSVP. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. 
please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. They don't even say excuse me. I just can't come. I don't know what he or she was doing when she got married, but it's like, I just can't come. I just can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. That was the end of the story. And Jesus went, Boop, this is the kingdom of God. Now, of course, those listening, many of them are like, um, okay, cool. But those who had ears to hear could hear that Jesus was revealing the dynamics of God's kingdom, and some instruction for us. See, Jesus is a master teacher because he uses this occasion of a Sabbath meal to begin to support heavenly principles. And in this parable, he uses this great banquet or supper or feast to illustrate what life will be afterwards. He began to talk about the afterlife Many people didn't realize that until later. And I'm going to tell you what some of these metaphors in this parable are related to. I believe Jesus is metaphorically speaking about four different things as it relates to the supper and how it can relate to us today is, is very, very interesting and very, very convicting. The first thing that we see here is this. The meal. Everybody say the meal. Now, I put this first because I like food. I'm going to make it simple. There is no order to these. I just said, let's talk about the meal first because I like food. And, 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 and food is important. I think food can turn a meeting into a party. That's why bosses at work are like, well, we're going to have this meeting. We better bring some food. Or people will be mad, right? It, it can turn a meeting into a party. It's one of the reasons why we have food here at Refinery all the time, because in my world, meals matter. And as I look into the Bible, people are always gathering around food, so I thought meals are important. And the reason why, meals create intimacy. And meals are a way to build relationships. This last week, my wife and I had the opportunity to have a meal with a, a couple that is new to our congregation. And I was so thankful that we got to sit down and have a meal with them because we got to hear their story. We got to hear how they met. We got to hear their passions and dreams. See, a meal provides an opportunity for us to come together and to build community. Um, laughter happens there. The elimination of hunger happens at a meal, right? Because when you're hungry, you're usually angry. And when you're full, you're usually happy, right? Isn't that how it works? I mean, I've got two daughters, and when they're hungry, they're like that commercial. They're hangry. Get me food now. Um, this is one of the reasons why we have food at Refinery. And I think it's a glimpse of heaven. And let me explain to you why. Because in the last book of the Bible... In the book of Revelation, which is the very last book of the Bible that talks about the future, 
Revelation chapter 19 talks about heaven and what it will be like when we come into the presence of God. And in Revelation chapter 19, you know what it's called? It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. God related, the Holy Spirit revealed to the Apostle John that heaven will be like a meal. It will be like this great marriage supper, this great reception. And so when Jesus in this parable is referring to a meal that a man prepared, Jesus is giving a glimpse of heaven and saying, this is what heaven's going to be like. This meal represents our coming into the presence of God. I go into more detail in the, in the elements course that we teach here at Refinery, Elements 1.0. We talk about this, this marriage supper of the Lamb and how exciting it is and how it's something that we have to look forward to. So the meal is the gathering together with the Master, Okay. So the meal's the gathering together with the master. That's important to note. The second part, then who is this servant or, or this master? It's God. It's God. The metaphor that Jesus is talking about is God is the one who prepares the meal. And then he sends a servant to bring people in, to say, come on in. You're welcome. Please come in. The one who made the invitation is none other than God. And look what Jesus shows about God. God's heart is that everyone would come in. And when people say no, he says, fine, then go find people who will say yes. I want everybody to come to the table. Every, the metaphor that Jesus is giving, the truth that's found in the parable is God is the master who's created the supper and he's sending out invitations to all who will come. Rich and poor, unknown and dysfunctional, broken and lost. The master says, bring them all in. Bring them all in. This was important for Jesus to point out because of where he was having his meal. Remember, he's at the home of a Pharisee, a religious leader. And the Pharisees of their time, of that time, you had to be perfect before you came to God. Before you could come to God, you had to have everything in order and in place, and then you could come to God. And Jesus is now throwing a whole different spin on this when he says, there's this supper, and the broken, the hurting, the lame, the blind, the unknown, the obscure are welcome to come too. This flew in the face of the religious leaders, that God would be so inclusive, and he is. The Pharisees and religious leaders saw what they had as an exclusive group with so many rules that people literally had to be perfect, yet they rejected Jesus, Christ, who was actually God's invitation. It's easy for us to become religious to think, oh, you got to look a certain way, you got to act a certain way before you can come. One of the things that I want us to be known for as a congregation 
is that anybody can be a part of refinery. You can belong before you even believe. Because that's what I see here in the scriptures. Jesus is saying, come on, bring them to the party now. Don't wait. Everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Jesus purposely points out that all are invited. Earlier on in the Gospel of John, we hear these words that say, For God so loved the world, everyone, everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everyone is invited. Which leads to number three. So the meal, we know the master is God. Who's this servant? Who's this servant in the story? The servant, specifically in reference here, Jesus is referring to himself as the one who was sent by the master and rejected. And he opens it up to anybody. The Bible says that Jesus came first to the Jews and he was rejected and he opened up salvation to all of humanity, to everyone. Jesus, the one the prophet Isaiah said would bring good news to the poor and liberty and freedom to the captives. He came to see all come to the party. That's who the servant is in this parable. But you know what? Guess what? The cool thing about this parable is it doesn't stop with just Jesus. Because one of the things that Jesus did was he commissioned all of his followers. Everyone who said yes to following Jesus, Jesus commissioned and said, now you go and make disciples of all nations. You go. Basically, Jesus was saying, now you are the servant in this story. You go and invite and bring them in. Listen, Refinery Church. This parable is for us. It was for the people of that time when Jesus was speaking at that dinner, and that parable is for us today. We're called to be these servants. We share the responsibility with Jesus to invite people to the table, invite people to the party. Because Jesus commissioned all of us, all of his followers, young and old. It doesn't stop in, in retirement. We no longer have, we, we, we can't say when we're 65, 70 years old, I'm done, I'm done, I've done inviting, I've done everything, okay, I'm just, I'm going to wait for the party now. I'm just going to wait for the party. Do, 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 do. If we look at the parable, we see that there was plenty of room. And what does the master say? I want my house full. We could literally interpret that as this house right here, this church building. There are empty seats. There's room for more. There's room for more, and we want to invite and say, come on to the party. Come into the presence of God and be with him. We are his hands and feet, and we have the responsibility to take the invitation and share it with everyone. But the challenge we face is the same challenge that Jesus talked about in this parable, and it's number four, the excuses. Everybody say excuses. Oh, yeah, we hear them, don't we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We hear the excuses. I love that Jesus included this because it helps me feel a little bit better when somebody goes, oh, no, I don't got time for that God stuff. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. 
Okay, well, Jesus said that would happen. It happened to him. He was rejected too. Some of these excuses are lame. I mean, look at, look at person number one, right? Person number one, I bought some land and I need to inspect it. What idiot buys land without looking at it first, you know? People who buy swampland in Florida, those are the kind of people that this person is. Well, I bought some land in Florida. I got to go check it out. Get out there and go, man, that's a lame excuse. That was a lame excuse this person gave. They just, you know, they didn't want to go to the party. They didn't want to be in the presence of the master. Today, that excuse may sound something like, well, you know what? I have so much work to do, I just don't have time to go to church. Just got too much work to do. I got too, I got too many things going on. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. Person number two. I just bought a shiny new set of oxen, and I need to try them out first, right? Right? I got to try out these oxen to see what I got. You know, that's kind of like today. Well, I just got this new car. I just got this new motorcycle. I just got this new boat, and I can only cruise it on the weekends. And is that when you guys meet on the weekends? Oh, I'm sorry. I got to go check out. I got to try my stuff out first. My stuff is more important than coming to God's party. See, that's, that's the excuses we hear all the time, right? That's what we've been talking about. But first, seek the kingdom of God. We tend to put stuff in front of gathering together in the presence of God. Person number three, <laughs> I just got married. <laughs> Maybe they're being driven by a lot of hormones. I don't know what it is, but sorry, man, just got married. Been waiting a long time. We got to go. You know, I don't know what it is. It doesn't, sound, it doesn't sound too bad. I'm about marriage. I think marriage is important, and I think marriage needs to be a priority. I think marriage needs to be a priority over stuff, and I think marriage needs to be a priority over the job. I think one of the things that destroys marriages is when I'm too married to the marriage, and I'm not married to my wife or my husband. I think things that destroy marriages are when we're all about stuff, and we're not about building the relationship, but check this out. My marriage cannot be more important than my relationship with Jesus. See, I love my wife. I love Leah. I love her more than anybody else on this earth. I love her more than any of you in this room. Any of you. <laughs> I love her more than anybody else on this earth. But guess what? I don't love her more than Jesus. Jesus is first. And we, we used to tell our youth kids, when we were youth pastors for many, many years, when you find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, when you find a, somebody you're going to marry, make sure they love Jesus more than you. Because when they love Jesus more than you, they're going to love you better than they ever could if they had you over Jesus. See, when we put God first, we can love that person much better than when we put that person above God. See, what that's called is idol worship when we put a person or a thing above God. That's idolatry. That's saying this is greater than God. And God says, love me first. Seek me first. And so my wife of 30 plus years now knows that I love Jesus more than her, but that means that I love her so much she wouldn't have it any other way. I love her more than anybody else here on earth, but Jesus is first and foremost in my heart. 
So what I would say to that couple who just said, I don't have time for that, that party. I just got married. I'd say, well, bring her too. Bring him too. Everybody can come, and then you can do what you need to do later. Whatever you plan to do, just getting married and all that. We won't get into that. That's another conversation for another time. Jesus shows all these folks that come up with all of these excuses that they're not putting him first. And putting him first then brings everything into proper alignment. But God doesn't want us to get discouraged when we hear the excuses. He wants us to be encouraged because his love is so huge. And he challenges us, keep inviting. Don't stop. Listen, if we're the servants of God, and we're saying, God, we want to bring people into this relationship with God. And refinery is the party that's leading to the ultimate party of heaven. And you're saying, I want to bring my friends and my family. And you get rejected because you get excuses. You know what God says in this, in this, in this passage here? Uh, specifically verse 23. Flip it back if you can, Rebecca. Go all the way back. Let's see if we can find verse 23. There we go. There's verse 22, 23. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. And the master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge. Everybody say urge. Urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. One translation says, compel them. The King James and the New King James Version say, compel them to come so that my house may be full. Compel can be translated to proactively convince. We have a responsibility as the servants of God to even convince people that what, what God has to offer is the truth, is the way, is life. So we as servants have this challenge and this, this expectation from God to don't give up because it makes an eternal difference. It makes an eternal difference. There are men and women, there are boys and girls who are putting other things ahead of God. And you know what? Those things are not satisfying the deep desire. The things, the activities. Oh, yeah, the activity keeps me busy. But how does it feel in the end? I shared with you guys a story a couple of weeks ago of a man named Richard who just went through surgery this last Friday night. He'd been living his life and never really been to church, but he came to this place at 35 years old where he was struggling with a disease that was killing him, and he almost died. When he was facing death, when he was facing eternity, he realized all these things, all this stuff didn't matter. And they said, what do you want to do, Richard? I want to talk to that man I met at Refinery. I need to talk to him. That was me, because I met him at a preschool graduation party, a Christmas party this last December. Just met him in passing, because I want to talk to that man. And so I went to the hospital, I met with him, and I talked with him. And though he had a tracheotomy and had a, a, a thing in his throat, I was able to understand what he was trying to say. And I said, Richard, why am I here? What do you need? He goes, I want to get right in here. Because when faced with eternity, all this stuff, 
All the oxen, all the houses, all the relationships don't matter except the one that leads to eternity, and that's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we have the privilege to be the servants to bring the invitation. To bring the invitation to those who need it. And I said to Richard, would you like to pray? Would you like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and get right in here? And he said, yes, with tears in his eyes. And I said, just repeat this prayer after me. And he goes, I can't talk. I said, that's okay. God can hear you. And I prayed this prayer with him, and he said yes to Jesus, and he made Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior. The invitation went out. He accepted the invitation. He went through surgery this last Friday, and we're still praying that he's recovered, that he recovers. But I know this. Even when his body stops, which it eventually will, all of our bodies will stop. His eternal soul will be at the party. He'll be at the table because he said yes to the invitation. He wasn't coming up with some weird excuse like, I just got married, I just bought a car, or maybe I just bought a house. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Guess what, Refinery? We get to be the invitation bringers, and it's a good invitation. It's like one of those cool crafted kind of invitations, you know, that you really go, wow, that's a really cool invitation. We get to bring that. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. I'm going to give you three ways as I wrap it up because I'm a practical person and I know you guys love some of the practical things that I do. How can I be, how can I participate in the meal, the feast? How can I do that? Here are three ways you can do that. Take a look really quickly. Three ways if you're a note taker, you want to do this and you'll notice that at the beginning of each one of them is the word pray. Everybody say pray. 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 Everything's got to be covered in prayer. You got to pray. The first one is pray and take. Say pray and take. Pray for opportunities and take those opportunities. Pray for opportunities and take those opportunities to share your story. Very easy. How can you participate in the invitation that Jesus Christ is talking about? Pray and take opportunities to share your story. Maybe it's at work, during lunch, after work. Share your story of what God has done in your life how God has healed you, how God saved you, how God worked in your family. Share your story. People need to hear what God has done. So pray and take. Second one is pray and look. Everybody say pray and look. Pray and look for needs that people have and be the hands and feet of Jesus. You want to invite people to the party? Then you be the hands and feet of Jesus. Pray and look for their needs and see if you can meet their needs. Somebody came to me the other day, and they're saying, Pastor Kelly, you know what? This check bounced, and, um, uh, you know, we're having a hard time paying the bills, and I need gas to get over to this job, and I knew this person. I said, here you go. Here's a need. Here's 50 bucks. I, I saw it. I prayed, and I looked, and I saw a need, and I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Here's $50. Get your gas so you can go to your job and do your job. Look for a need. They're all around us. And you could participate in bringing people to the feast. Number three, let's all say it together, pray and invite. Pray and invite people literally to Saturday nights. And don't give up. Oh, they're going to come up with excuses. Well, I've got this, I've got that. No problem. Next week. Well, next week I've got this. No problem. The following week. Come on. It, Jesus said 
urge them, compel them to come because there's room in my house. And by the way, when these chairs get full, we'll add some more. We'll add some more. And once this service is full, we'll add some more services because we want this house full. Invite people here at services at Refinery. Compel them to come. It's up to us to do that. Each week, I sit down and I prepare a meal for you. It's a spiritual meal. I add a little seasoning with illustrations. I add a little salt with videos. I prepare a meal for you. Will you go and invite somebody to the meal? Come on. Come on. There's a meal we give out every single week. It's a spiritual meal. It feeds the soul. And it's up to us to do that. We have some opportunity. Two weeks, I'm sorry, two months (laughs) from now, we will celebrate Easter. It's the Super Bowl of church. Easter Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday for us at church. That is a great day to say, let's bring someone to church. Let's invite them to the party. And we will make as much space in here as we can. I want you right now to be thinking, who can I bring? I've already talked to an artist who's going to be doing some painting up here. I've got some kids who are going to be singing. And we've got all sorts of things that we have planned for this Easter special. It is going to be a meal that you won't want to miss. Well, that's two months from now. But don't forget next Saturday, invite them too. Oh, Pastor Kelly, you're just trying to build the church. Yes, I am. Because I know what we're given, and it's life. This isn't just some movie show. I'm not just trying to fill seats for a nice song. We're bringing the living Word of God to men and women, people like Richard, who know that they need it in here. But it's up to us to do the inviting. And don't just do it once. Be persistent. People will have excuses, but don't give up. Franny, you want to jump up here with me? I'm going to close our time. I'm going to let us out on time this week. Aren't I good? Check that out. This was what I wrote in my journal. Now, my journal entries can be a little long sometimes. I don't expect yours. Yours can be one paragraph, all right? This was something I got passionate about, and I knew it was something I needed to unpack for you that this parable that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago was an illustration for us to be attentive to bringing those who are out there, the broken, the hurting, the lost, and fill his house so that they can be part of the party. As I close up, listen. Our lives, I I love being an American. I'm so glad to be here in America, the freedom that we experience, the opportunities that we have. But listen, life on earth for a follower of Jesus Christ is more, it is more than life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the motto of America. The motto of God's kingdom is all these things are good, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness and God will take care of the rest. Put him first, build his kingdom and he'll take care 
of your kingdom. You see it? So exciting. But first, God wants his house full, and it's up to each of us to see it filled up. Participate in the invitation. Let's pray. Right now, I want you to begin to think about those people, those families, those individuals, those people who are broken, hurting, and lonely, or maybe they seemingly have it all together, but you know they're missing what's on the inside. I want to pray for those people right now. Join me. Let's just pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I lift up, and you can fill in that person's name or that family's name. I lift them up right now. Lord God, I, I, I pray that I will take opportunities to share the testimony. Give me courage to do that. Open my eyes to look for ways to meet their needs and give me boldness to invite them. We hear the challenge from your Holy Spirit tonight to go and compel and bring them in. And I receive that here tonight. Courage to compel. And Lord, I've come against lame excuses in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know I was talking with my friend Seth tonight. And we were talking about how many distractions there are here in our modern world. From sports and entertainment, activities, there's more than we can handle. And they seem to preoccupy us. I come against those excuses in the name of Jesus Christ that would keep men and women from coming into a relationship with you. God, I don't want to spend time at hospital beds as people are on the brink of death. I want to see them come into relationship with you now so they can live life to the fullest now. Don't wait until they're dead and, or they're dying, Lord. Jesus' name, will you pray for them right now? Take time. Take this moment to go ahead and do that. Pray for them. Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. For more information about Refinery Church, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. If these messages have blessed you, please consider supporting the ministry by visiting our website at wearerefinery.com slash give. Thank you.